Welcome to this episode of TransUnion's podcast series, Data, Strategies and Trust. I'm Sam Welch, the Commercial Banking Director here at TU, and our discussion today is on consumer duty and vulnerability. These are two huge topics, not just for financial services, but for the broader economy. I'm really excited to be joined by a host of internal and external experts, which we'll get into in a second. The agenda for today is we're going to hear from Caroline Everts, our Risk and Compliance Director at TransUnion. Caroline will explain about what consumer duty is and what we're doing from a CRA perspective. We'll then get into a panel discussion talking about what we're hearing and seeing in the market. And for that, I'm really excited to be able to bring in one of our strategic advisors and consumer duty champions, Jonathan Bourne, and also Oliver Lewis-Jones, an Associate Director at Deloitte in the Risk Team. And then we'll spend some time looking into our solutions and how, as TransUnion, we're helping our clients really solve some of these critical issues with James Robinson, Managing Director for our consumer business. But first, let's hear from members of the public talking about the pressures on their finances and a squeeze on UK households. In terms of sort of cost of living and prices of things like I mean, do my weekly shop, for example. I used to spend just by myself maybe thirty-five, forty pound a week. You're talking eighty now, so it's I'd probably say in terms of outgoings of double. Like my internet's gone up by ten pound, my water's gone up by ten pound, my council tax has gone up, and without realising it, you sort of realise, oh well, as much as I've had a pay rise, it's it's gone. Well, we used to save money, and now we don't we don't save at nearly the rate we used to, um, and we've taken steps. You know, so we use a lot less energy, like our central heating. We just bought jumpers and we, we, we wore jumpers during the cold weather, yeah. I have credit card and I have to use it more than I ever did and I'm struggling like everybody with money. Uh, it's obviously been impacted quite a lot but because I have to work more. My partner used to be the breadwinner and I didn't have to work as often um, so obviously I'm having to work more just to kind of get by. I'm, I'm definitely aware more than I ever have been of how much I'm spending and you know I limit myself like I, I give myself a daily budget which six twelve months ago I'd have never even thought about it. I think you'll agree that's really powerful. We interviewed consumers on the streets of a number of UK cities including Leeds and Birmingham. It's something that we try and do on a regular basis because we believe it's really important to keep our finger on the pulse and to understand what's actually happening day to day with everyone. A few takeaways from me for that video. Someone said outgoings have doubled, savings have declined. People are using unsecured credit as a means to get by day to day. People are making their sacrifices in day to day life as well. So these are real challenges that everyone's facing. And it's something that, as a company, we're focused on. Our clients and the industry are also fully committed to looking at this as well, which is why the timing of consumer duty is so important. So at this point, I'd like to bring Caroline into discussion. Caroline, before we get into the discussion and the panel, let's just really focus on what is consumer duty? Yeah, absolutely. I think a number of people um, on the webinar will hopefully be familiar with consumer duty. It is the FCA's probably biggest focus. It has been um, a key area of focus over the uh, last couple of years in terms of their own business plan um, to really set the bar higher for firms who are regulated by the FCA to put the consumer at the heart of what a firm does day to day and really think about the consumer's needs in regard to their products and services and how they actually fulfil the needs of 
for their customers. So the FCA's consumer duty regulation is new. Um, it does take it on a step further from what we've known previously as um, just good out customer outcomes and treating customers fairly. Um, but this really just set the bar a lot higher with much clearer standards. It goes into more granular detail on um, rules and guidance about what the expectation is for firms and how they conduct themselves to adhere to these principles. Just as you can see on the slide there, there are, there are three elements to the detail as they've laid it out. So the first is there is a new principle for business, which is the high level standard and all firms in scope um, are required to meet this expectation. Um, that's supported by three cross-cutting rules, which really goes into developing the standards of conduct and is intended to help give more steer to firms as to what their expectation is by the FCA for them to achieve good standards of conduct and putting those customers first. And then finally, the four outcomes. This is where the FCA has really um, gone into much more depth as to the expectations they need from uh, to see from firms. And these are aligned to typically the four key elements of a firm's interaction and engagement with a customer through the, the, the customer journey, the life cycle, from um, developing a product, again, thinking about the customer, through to providing that, that product to make sure it provides fair value and then making sure that that product continues to meet the needs through the through the journey to when a customer no longer requires that service or product. And with all of those elements, there is a continuing focus on vulnerability for, and thinking about vulnerability of consumers, not treating everybody the same and really thinking about how to differentiate where they may need to be tailoring to um, the needs of particular types of consumers based on the types of vulnerability they might be displaying. So it, it's definitely new. Uh, it's set the bar very high and there's lots of things for firms to think about over the coming months. The next key deadline is actually July um, this year for open products. So I know there's a lot of a lot of firms are doing a lot of work at the moment on this, including us. Which leads into my next question. So thanks for that. What are we doing from a credit reference agency perspective? So we are in scope for the duty, but the duty as it has been written isn't necessarily aimed at credit reference agencies. So we've had to take stock of how the guidance has been written, how the rules have been written, and to some degree interpret how that would apply to us in terms of what we do. So for us specifically, we fall within the consumer credit guidance. We also have an open banking service, so we are in scope for the duty. And we've had to think about how we define our products in terms of how we provide them through the distribution chain to our clients, in essence. And we have two cohorts of product, really. We have products that help our clients inform their decision making with their customers. Um, and we also have our credit view product, which is intended for use by end consumers. But we provide that through our clients as well. So, um, again, we don't have the, the direct interaction with consumers there. But then we also have to think about the ancillary services that we actually do operate where we do have engagement with consumers. So the typical things like complaints handling, the data disputes process, because we obviously offer credit reports to consumers. And we also deal with inquiries as well. So we have those elements to think about regarding what we do. But in terms of what we've had to do, we've had some discussions with the FCA directly just to make sure that we have taken our interpretation in, in, in the appropriate way for how we fit within the, the broader financial services market. And then we've had to do things that other firms have needed to do. So we've had to produce our own implementation plan for readiness. That was approved by our board in October. And we are currently working through a, a number of activities to make sure that we are enhancing what we have um, to meet the requirements of consumer duty. So that has included internal work, but also working with key partners and key clients as well. Brilliant. Thank you, Caroline. At this point, I think we'll bring in a few market experts that I touched on up front. So I'd like to bring in Jonathan, who's our strategic advisor at TU. 
He's also the consumer duty champion for a couple of the boards that he sits on. And also Oliver Lewis-Jones, who is an associate director at Deloitte in the risk team. So welcome both. Jonathan, I'll come to you first. Clearly, with your vast experience in the industry, you've seen a lot. Where are you seeing clients face the challenges and complications associated with consumer duty? Yes, thank you. Uh, As you mentioned, I'm the consumer duty champion on a couple of boards and have also attended various roundtable events. So hear a lot about progress. Clearly, you know, everybody is busy both for the deadline at the end of this month and then the deadline at the end of July. There's a lot of work going on. There's a lot of prioritization going on to hit those deadlines. And, you know, a couple of observations. One, the, the FCA appear content with the idea that prioritization is the name of the game and not everything will be done uh, by, the, by the deadline. But with a couple of caveats, caveat number one, you know, clear signal back from the regulator do not be complacent and don't just map existing processes and then associated with that you know please demonstrate how your priorities have aligned with the risks that are inherent within your business as we think about that prioritization you know internally each organization will take their own perspective based around their own products their own distribution channels and their own target markets But I think also organizations are looking at, you know, where will the regulator come back and ask the tough questions? So what are the areas inherent focus of the FCA? And when you think through that lens, you get into, you know, some obvious areas. There's vulnerable customers. The FCA have been very clear that they expect organizations to uh, look after vulnerable customers. Embedded within consumer duty, there's a, you know, ongoing uh, role for regulatory influence but not direct control over pricing and profitability. The FCA have always been very keen on affordability, cost of living, and, and you know nothing's changed in that respect. I think also given the current economic climate, you will see that they will focus on collections and forbearance activity. You know, a couple of things in terms of how they view life. One is around segmentation averages and one-size-fits-all are no longer the name of the game. They've been interested in customer behaviors, different customer groups within the same product, particular focus on whether organizations are relying on inertia, customer inertia, and, and exploiting that. But also that segmentation, you get into the world of risk-based pricing and also the profile of the borrowers. The final thought for me from the FCA is they make it very clear that they've got expectations around the use of data and management information and have also made it clear that that should be proportionate but in line with how the organization uses data and MI elsewhere. So if you've got a sophisticated pricing model or you've got a sophisticated you know, customer targeting level, they would expect a similar degree of sophistication in your consumer duty analytics. Turning now just to, you know, final thoughts from me, the board focus, you know, when I think about my role on the boards, clearly, number one, have we implemented according to the plan? And that goes without saying that the regulator expects the board to have oversight of the implementation plan. Secondly, though, what can we say we've changed or done differently? So don't just, you know, tick a box and map existing processes. What have we done differently? 
Uh, I think the third area from a board perspective will be to, you know, we're very thoughtful about what information will we see both now to support attestation that it's been implemented, but also what's the ongoing flow of information up to the board. And then finally, you know, thinking about this not just as a project, but as we move to embedded status, what should the role of the board be on an ongoing basis? You know, how do you get consumer duty into your strategic planning, into your other board discussions that are not specifically around this project? So a few thoughts from me. I'll, I'll hand back now. Thank you, Jonathan. I just echo that around bringing it back into the DNA of your respective businesses. What staggered me is the percentage of exact time that's being spent looking at consumer duty. It's a phenomenal amount across our clients. The attention is well and truly there because it is so far reaching, as we've discussed. Oliver, I'd like to come to you next. Clearly, from a Deloitte external consultant perspective, you've got the full range of areas where you can help clients. What challenges are you seeing that your clients are facing in the market? Yeah, thanks, Sam. So, um, so I've, I've personally been doing a lot of work over the last 12 months or so with um, range of retail banking lending clients. I think for me, um, the probably the two largest areas of challenge um, in terms of the, the consumer duty outcomes are around customer understanding and, and price and value. So I think with price and value, um, as a general point, the, the rules on the value assessment are high level. And while the FCA provides additional guidance, um, it's not prescribed a particular methodology for assessing value. So as a result, we've seen a range of uh, different approaches across the industry. At one end, firms have really challenged themselves hard on the basis of their fees, including how these reflect underlying costs and margins, um, as well as the benefits provided. At the other end, some firms have limited themselves really to analysis uh, or limited their analysis to considering where they sit amongst their peers. So under that outcome, firms are explicitly required to consider whether vulnerable customers are receiving worse value than other cohorts. FCA guidance indicates they expect firms to consider if certain groups are paying more in fees than other customers due to the way that they use products um, and whether this is implicit in the design of the business model, as it was, say, perhaps for some uh, payday lenders. The relationship the FCA draws between price and benefits also means firms need to consider whether vulnerable customers receive the same level of benefits as other cohorts, for example, if they face greater barriers to accessing support. So I think the main challenge we've seen here is really in the data that firms currently have to analyse uh, the outcomes for vulnerable customers specifically. So for example, whether uh, uh, firms are relying on vulnerable customer tags um, to perform distribution analysis, whether that's sufficient for them to understand what level and what frequency of fees are paid by vulnerable customers versus other groups. I think this also tends to be even more of a challenge where firms are looking at the benefit side of, of that value equation. So, for example, many firms have been unable to identify service level data, which would indicate that vulnerable customers wait longer for support or are more likely to be dissatisfied. 
But I think notwithstanding those challenges, we have seen firms use existing work and insights. So uh, particularly work done around the FCA's 2021 guidance on the treatment of vulnerable customers to identify areas for enhancement. And one area we've seen particular focus in price and value is obviously around arrears fees. So whilst many lenders have already taken action to mitigate uh, the impact of such fees on, on customers in financial difficulties, removing fees or, or capping fees, we've also seen firms who've not previously taken action really challenge themselves, both on the pricing of fees generally uh, and the basis for this, but also the circumstances where these would be paid. So for example, Tapping to a single fee within each period of arrears or removing entirely for customers identified as, as vulnerable. Turning to customer understanding, I think this is always going to be a challenging area for firms. There are a number of reasons for this. The quantum of the communications estate, particularly where legacy communications are involved. And, and really, there's a challenge, I think, in asking financial services professionals, probably most of us on, on, on this call, uh, to rethink the information provided to consumers and really stand in the shoes of people who don't have their just underlying level of knowledge and expertise, as, as I think we touched on at the start of, of this presentation. Uh, and finally, the FCA's research that one in seven consumers have a literacy level below the standard expected of a, of a nine to 11 year old. So through our work and, and engagement with firms, we've seen a variety of approaches adopted. So some firms are running multi-million pound programs to review uh, and rewrite their entire communications estate. Others are looking at, at efficiencies through AI to ingest and rewrite copy. And in some firms, it's really been a catalyst for, for change uh, within the marketing teams and their approach to, to thinking through customer and design. I think at the other extreme, some firms have done really very little to update or refresh content and are very much relying on existing processes to support compliance. So rely on compliance teams to review documents, which won't necessarily give them that, that stand back view and, and that real understanding of, of what this means for, for consumers who, who don't have that level of understanding. And of course, we've seen um, all sorts of iterations within that range. In most instances, um, firms have not concluded, I think, how they will address the testing requirements. So firms need to test um, whether communications are likely to be understood by the target market, including vulnerable customers. And they also haven't necessarily identified what MI will, will help them to understand where, where there's a risk of customers not understanding communications at different stages of the journey. I think our work has also identified instances of structural weaknesses in, in governance, either in sign-offs or control of content, such as not having an exhaustive list of all live communications. So this, like many other aspects of the duty, has meant that changes required are taking longer as there are a number of other repair items uh, along the way. So I think that just covers a, a couple of the outcomes. But I think in summary, most firms have consider vulnerable customers within their implementation programs. As with the duty overall, as Jonathan touched on, um, they have much work still to do before the July deadline. And I think we'll be looking, in some cases, at interim mitigations where, while they address more strategic fixes going forward. Brilliant. Thank you, Oliver. Some really good insights there. I'd like at this point to bring in James Robinson, our Managing Director for our Consumer Interactive Business. What we've always done here at TransUnion is focus on the end consumer. So whilst we're a B2B to C offering, we always have the end consumer in mind. 
And it's a really good segue from consumer duty to what we are doing as a business to ultimately help our clients help the end consumer. James, with that lens, would you mind just touching on what we are doing and just going into a bit more detail? Yeah, of course. So as we kind of heard from Caroline earlier, we, we're talking about consumer duty. It's around consumer outcomes. And right at the heart of that is value. So where we are in our consumer division here is we actually support over 17 million unique consumers through our partners offering a value service, which is credit information, to put it back into the palms and the hands of consumers so they can make informed decisions. Um, some of you probably heard the TransUnion motto, information for good. We, we really truly believe in that. So we try and use all the information that we've got in our bureau to help consumers, to help them really simplify this complex credit market so they can make better choices. We saw the videos earlier where um, everyone's struggling for different reasons, for different pressures, different things that's happening in the marketplace. What we kind of help our consumers with is the access to that credit report, but not just credit information and a credit score. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be more detailed. It's got to mean something to that consumer. So personalized information, which relates to that consumer around improvements they can make to, to better their credit chances for future applications is what we, we trade on. We've got modules um, that are imitative, such as our score simulator module, which actually enables consumers to not only see what their credit score is today, but go, well, what if? What if I did X? What if I did Y? What if I did uh, open a new credit card? What if I paid off a balance? What would happen to my credit score going forward and, and how would that benefit me? But on the other side, we heard a lot from those consumers and those channels around affordability. So we, we last year launched an affordability kind of view service, which enables the consumer to connect their via open banking their information and to get a view of how actually they're seen from an affordability perspective. That may seem really simple, but that's something that consumers really struggle with. And we heard that on the videos. So if you've got two lenses, you've got a credit lens and an affordability lens, it really helps those consumers to, to understand where they stand and also helps the partners we work with to understand consumers better as well and to kind of give them more tailored offerings and tailored support that, that benefits their needs. On the credit side, we handle a numerous disputes about credit information that help consumers get back on track. We've got a really simple service that helps consumers do that. We've had numerous feedback over the years, consumers that actually helping them to directly affect their credit report and correct mistakes potentially that's on there can help them get out of some really tricky situations. So putting the power back in the consumer's hands is really, really important. That drives value. That drives value to the consumer because they trust the brands that we work with. It drives value to the businesses because they see a halo effect of that in terms of uh, stickiness and longevity. And also it provides increased opportunity for um, acquisition and kind of uh, support going forward. So to summarize, providing kind of consumer duty is providing education, support and information around this complex credit world that we work in. We probably all understand this in the core. We all, all understand the credit market very implicitly, but the average person in the street doesn't. So kind of the mission there is to try and really, really help those consumers um, engage with them and kind of really open their eyes in terms of this market they work in. Back to you, Sam. Great. Thanks, James. I'll put a plug in here for our credit view solution. As James says, it's truly a market leading solution. It's given a really strong platform to be able to enable the 17 million consumers that James spoke about to really better understand where they are from a credit and education perspective. You may see on LinkedIn, a number of companies that we've partnered with have been nominated for industry awards, which is fantastic. The benefits are huge, both for the consumer and ultimately for the company as well. So definitely have a look at that and reach out to us if you'd like to understand more about how it works and potential use cases.
So just as a wrap up from me, whilst we're technically not in a recession, we are seeing worsening standards of living, not seen since 2008. We heard from Caroline what consumer duty is and what we're doing as a CRA. And we then got into that panel discussion with industry experts. The key point for me is that consumer duty is clearly the number one topic at the moment at exec level across our client base, across the industry. There's a lot still to be done to meet the initial deadline set by the FCA. It's likely going to be a very iterative process as businesses get feedback on the work they've done from the FCA and then refine accordingly. So this brings to an end our podcast on consumer duty and vulnerability. Thank you for your time. Please reach out to us if you've got any further questions and look out for the next episode of the TransUnion podcast. This podcast was produced by TransUnion, a global insights and analytics company. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of TransUnion, and TransUnion is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. Thank you.